Today is Father's Day. Let me hear you shout, yeah! Happy Father's Day, dads. We love you. We bless you. And so uh, towards the end of last week, I just kind of at the last moment, I said, hey, let me throw it out there. Let's see if we can get any, um, we did this at Mother's Day. Let's see if we can get any wisdom that dads have, have taught us over the years and threw it out there on social media. It was kind of a last minute thing. Most of you didn't get to see it and some people posted. And so I want to read some of their posts today, just their love for their dad and maybe some wisdom points from their dad. And so we'll start with the first one. And I just love this couple right here. Gabby and Steven, they're so cool. And so Gabby wrote this about her own husband. She said, my wonderful husband, an amazing father of two uh, incredible boys. I am in awe every day of how he rises to the occasion of taking care of all of us. I will be the first to say that we are not easy people. And I know this family, she is telling the truth. But every day, (laughs) he looks at us with a heart full of love. I know without a doubt, God made this man for this family. Isn't that precious? How about this one right here? This next one, this what my son uh, p- uh, tweeted out or Instagrammed out that uh, about me, wisdom that dad, ha- that I've given him, and that is, son, happy wife, happy life. Just make her happy. You'll be all right, buddy. And he's, uh, he's held on to that, and he posted that. It's so cool. And then how about this family right here? This is a precious family to us. Angie Awadji, she's one of our worship pastors, and her dad, Ed, and they're just an amazing family. And she wrote this uh, in reference to her dad. Uh, Whatever you do, this is what he taught her, do it right the first time and you won't have to back up and do it again. Take pride in all that you do. Your work represents your name. Words of wisdom that I hear daily in my head from the greatest dad in the world. Thanks, Pa, for all you poured into me over the years and still a happy Father's Day. Isn't that awesome? What a beautiful family. How about this next one right here? See if you can tell me who that is. Anybody know who that is? That is actually Papa Pena, who's playing drums today, and his son, Jonathan Pena, who's our, our, our uh, youth pastor. And so uh, Pastor Jonathan posted this about his dad. He said, Happy Father's Day to my favorite dad. I guess he's got a couple of them. I don't know, but to his favorite one out of all of them. Uh, he's taught me so much about a man, uh, about being a man, a husband, a minister, and a dad. With all his wisdom and great advice, there's been one that just stuck with me and I'll continue to live by. He always taught me to put God first in all I've done. And that wisdom uh, was the best thing to pray for. Thank you. Uh, and that wisdom was the best thing to pray for. Thank you for being such a great role model of a godly man. Love you, Dad. Come on, everybody say, oh, that's powerful. And then this last one, this is a real special one. Paul and Alicia's in. Paul's our kid's pastor. And then Alicia, they have a great business. And, uh, and their dad passed uh, of cancer a few years back. And so here's a picture of him and his wisdom that he would always give. And he said, do me a favor, everyone. Please smile at everyone you bump into. Open the door for a stranger. Say yes, please. And, and most importantly, Thank you. Come on, that was wisdom from Mr. Paul D. Zinn Sr., now in heaven. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? That's great wisdom pieces and just sincere love for our, our, our dads. And we do honor you today, dads. In fact, I've titled the message today, um, I've titled it the, uh, on Father's Day, of all days, The Father's Nature. The Father's Nature. Uh, a retired couple returned to a Mercedes dealership where the salesman had just sold the car that they had been interested in to a beautiful blonde in a miniskirt. The old man was visibly upset. He spoke to the young sales clerk. He said, young man, I thought you said you would hold that car till we raised the $55,000 asking price. I just heard you tell this lady and finish the deal for $45,000. And if I remember right, you told me that there was no way you could discount the model. The salesman took a deep breath, cleared his throat, reached for a large glass of water. Well, sir, I'll tell you, she had the cash ready. 
didn't need any financial help. And sir, look at her. How could I resist? Kind of smiling sheepishly. All of a sudden, the young lady got up, walked over to the senior couple, gave the car keys to the old man. Here you go, Dad. I told you this shark would lower the price if I came in. Happy Father's Day. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We've got a key scripture today. I've taught you over the years. If you're new to us, we teach that um, we have a key scripture every service that represents that message that we'll be talking about. And that key scripture, if you'll kind of hold on to it, memorize it, mark it in your Bible, and you'll just hold on to it, you'll learn 52 key scriptures, key principles about God every year. And you do that over a few years, you know a whole lot of the Bible then. In fact, if you'll learn 52 scriptures a year or just know where they're at, you'll know more than 95% of American Christians and, and be really strong. So with that being said, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. Ephesians 3, 14 through 15. This is our key scripture for today's message. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the dads. Thank you for the dads, Lord God, that are in our lives. Lord, some of us maybe didn't have a good dad, but didn't have a, a present father. But Lord, you, you brought other men into our lives and been kind of dad figures. And most importantly, thank you for being a good father. And we honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. Father God, we bless you and we thank you that you've changed our lives and you're changing our lives. And today, we don't just honor our earthly fathers, but we honor our heavenly father. And we bless you. May the word today transform our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody shout it, amen. Come everybody shout it, amen. amen. So Paul here, in the book of Ephesians, he lays out something that's pretty strong theologically. He says, he says for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, in Greek, that word father, if you'll put it on the screen for him, that word father is patar, or pater. And it means a nourisher, a protector, an upholder. And so what Paul is saying in the Greek language, and of course, when we translate it, we've got into our English, we may have a different picture of what a father is. And so that's why I bring out the original Greek. So when they're walking around and they say to someone, patar, they they have this sense that that person is a nourisher, that that person is a protector, that that person is an upholder. And so so Paul says here in Ephesians, he says, listen, I bow my knee not to a king who dominates me, not to an angry individual who wasn't even happy that he had to take care of me, but I bow my knee to the heavenly father, to the patar, to the one who's the nourisher, come on somebody, who's the protector, who's the upholder of my head. I want you to understand when it continues on and it says, and who, it says from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That word family in the Greek is patria, and that stands for all those who literally belong to God. Can I help you understand what Paul's saying? He's saying, I am bowing my knee. I am bowing my knee to the nourisher, to the carer, to the one who loves me, to the father who birthed humanity. Do you understand? There's not a family that exists that did not come from Father God. There's not a family on this earth. There's not a group of people on this earth. There's not a group of people somewhere in the hemispheres, the atmospheres, the semispheres, whatever you want to call it. They all came from Father God. Father God created humanity. And he's saying, listen, I recognize not only that you're a good dad, but I recognize that you're the father of all who exist. And I bow my knee. And here on Father's Day, as we're just talking about 
the fathers of earth and we're represented and, and, we're, and we're thankful for all that dads have done for us. I want to draw our attention to Father God. And I, not only that, but I want the fathers in the room and the pre-fathers in the room to get kind of the nature of our real heavenly father and how we can kind of grow in that and become a little bit more like him. In fact, in this image of Father God, uh, this is the central theme throughout scripture of who he is. He's a father. He's a protector. He's a lover. He's a carer of ours. He is the one who, if you will, created or procreated us. He is Father God. And if you look in the Quran, there are 99, in the Quran, there are 99 descriptions of Allah and none of them are a father. None of them are a father. When I tell you, when you take a false religion like that and you try to compare it to the one true God and his one true creation and what he expects of humanity and his love for humanity, it doesn't compare. I tell my Muslim friends all the time, I love you so much, but let me explain to you what's wrong about your false religion. You don't even know confidently that he loves you or that he will welcome you into paradise because there's no real knowing because he's not real. But our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be his name, his kingdom come, his will be done. That father is a good father and I can know where my eternity lies by serving him and loving. He makes it real clear to me that I am his and that he loves me. In fact, when I distance myself from him, he sent his only begotten son to make a way back to him. When my sin caused me to be separated from him, he found a way by sacrificing his own son to be able to draw me back. Friend, that's a good father. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. In the Bible, there are multiple men Um, that are heroes. There are characters in the scripture, people who live that God used, that were great, great heroes to the faith. Great, great just examples of, of, of good leadership. And one of the ones that comes to my mind is David. The Bible talks about how David was a man after God's own heart. David wrote most of the Psalms that we, in the book of Psalms that we sing about and we talk about the Holy Scriptures there. But can I say this about David? David might have been a great man of God, but he was a terrible dad. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, because you have to see the results of his dadship, his fathership. His, his one son, Amnon, raped his own half-sister. Then the Absalom son got so mad uh, at his brother for doing that, his half-brother for doing that, that he kills him, and then he gets mad at David for not doing any, taking care of it properly, that he then splits the kingdom and takes all of David's wives and, and female servants, and he sleeps with all of them, just a perverted orgy thing. Then you see his next son, Solomon, who's supposed to be the man of great wisdom, that God gave him wisdom, but still in all of his wisdom. So he says in the book of Song Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he talks about, I tried everything. I tried every false religion. I looked into everything. Why? Because he wasn't satisfied with the one true God. And he came full circle, but we just see that something was broken in all of these kids. And I'll tell you what it was. David was a great man of God, but he wasn't a good dad. We see that throughout Scripture in a lot of the key leaders in Scripture. We see, we see that Samuel, though he was the last of the prophets, he wasn't a good dad. It says this, it says that his sons that were going to be the next set of priests, the next set of, of spiritual leaders for Israel, said they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The people couldn't stand them because they didn't do right amongst the people. And as a result, they cried out for a king. And literally Samuel's lineage had to be removed, all because Samuel was a great man of God, loved the Lord, but he did not know how to be a good father. 
We see is, well, with Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. His two sons, Eli's the priest. He's supposed to be the spiritual giant, the spiritual head of, of Israel. And his two sons are supposed to take his place. But they begin to have sexual orgies with the women in the church. They begin to steal from the people. Woo, what does that sound like? Modern. Anyway, and so, and, and so as a result, God killed all of them. Come on, somebody. All because Eli, though he was a great man of God, he didn't know how to be a good father. Oh, but friends, I'm so grateful that... That God didn't stop with our own humanity and only give us those examples. Because there's a man in scripture that I'd like to highlight who was a good dad. We don't know a whole lot about him. The Bible doesn't tell big stories about him. But when I think about Joseph, the foster dad for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all of a sudden you're dating this gal. Y'all get engaged. And a couple weeks or months into this thing she says, "Um, hey, I need to tell you something. Last night an angel spoke to me. And I am now impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, now I just, just, just be a normal dude for a second. Ladies, try to think like a dude for a second. Like, you, you want to say that one more time? So an angel came, and you're, you're pregnant now. Is that right? Okay. So listen, let me just back this whole thing up. Forget all the little story you got. What's the dude's name? That's all I want to know. What's his name? What's his name? I don't even need you to tell me where he lives. What's his name? No, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit did it. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? We don't know a whole lot about Joseph, but we know he's a man of integrity and character. So how do we know that? Well, because the book of Matthew says that in that moment when he found this out, didn't really believe her. I, I, I would not believe her either. She's probably 16, 17 years old even in their culture, age when she got married. Uh, young people, that is not working in our culture. Just want to break that. That was way back, okay? And so, and, so, uh, and so he's probably thinking, you know, okay. But he's very gracious. And he goes to kind of put her away so she wouldn't be a scourge. He was going to move her somewhere else so that the people wouldn't talk bad about her, so that she could survive. And he was going to put her away gracefully. And then, of course, the angel of the Lord speaks to him, said, this is the God's work. This is going to happen. And he takes on this whole thing to be the foster parent, the foster dad to the Messiah. Now, you think about that for a moment. Think about that responsibility. You've got God's son living in your house. And he's a two-year-old. Think about that. Do you whoop him or not? Like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. But don't do that, please. <laughs> I'm going to burn in hell forever if I discipline you. But we see that David, I mean, I mean, Joseph, that he trained him up. Jesus, it says, was a carpenter. So where did he learn that from? He learned it from Joseph. Joseph taught him integrity. He taught him character. Joseph's a good man, even though we don't know a whole lot about him. We know that he's a man of character and integrity. In fact, when God looked down on the planet and said, I'm going to send my son Jesus, and he picks Mary, and he picks Joseph, he picks them together. He doesn't pick one without the other. He already... Has it all figured out? What caused God to say that man right there can be a foster dad to my son, my only son, the son who will change the world, the king of kings? And the Lord. Who, what happened in God's mind to say that guy's got what he needs? Friend, I'm going to tell you something. He's a good dad. God saw in him that he would take care of his own son. So we dive into this today. And again, I'm talking about the nature of the father. I want to point out to you that Though we may not have had good dads growing up, or maybe you had a great dad, but all of us have our own humanity. And each and every one of us is dads, as children of a dad. 
what we may not have realized is that there are some nature characteristics of the Father that you and I have access to, that you and I can draw upon, that will literally be life-changing for us. Dads have a tough role. It's a tough role to be a dad. In fact, look what Billy Graham said about that whole dad role thing. He said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. People talk a lot about, about what dads don't do right. And, uh, and there's a good bit of truth in that. But can I tell you something? If we sit around and always focus on what we don't do right, we'll never know, what, uh, we'll never know how to do good. And so what I want to pay our attention to today is the, is the nature of the real father, the heavenly father. And from there, dads, I think we can draw some wisdom. Moms, I think we can draw some wisdom from that as well. And so we're talking today about the father's nature. First point I want to make to you about who father God is, what he's like. First and foremost, you need to know this. He enjoys you. He enjoys you. Some of you grew up in a religious environment that the only way you were taught that God loved you, welcomed you, cared about you is if you did right. But can I explain something to you? You are his. That's why this theology piece and Paul's statement in Ephesians is so important. Why? Because he's the father of all. If he's the father of all, I want you to think like that. If you got a kid, good kid, bad kid, doesn't matter. He's still your kid. You're still his Father, And so my kids all the time, and, and I had to really break this in them because I'm a real driven individual and I'm real focused about doing right and being right. But I had to teach my kids a very strong lesson because I didn't want them to misappropriate my discipline and my training of them. My, 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 I didn't want them to misappropriate the love that I have for them. And I had to teach them this one statement. And they, you, any of my kids, they'll hear you say, I'll ask them, who loves you? They say, dad loves me. And then I'll ask them, why do I love you? And they all know the response, because I'm yours. I don't love them because they do right or do wrong. They're mine. They look like their mama. Come on, somebody. They act like me. They got my blood flowing through their veins. They, they are a little McCain. They're a little Adam running around. They, 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 they are mine. I love them because they're mine. And I enjoy them. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy being at their games. I enjoy sitting with them and talking with them about what they're going through and all that. Can I tell you something? Father God feels the same way about you. He enjoys you. You say, no, he's going to like me more when I don't, when I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Friend, he enjoys you. He loves you. He likes you. He gets he picked you. He said, well, I know, but I got to change this and I got to. See, that's the point is that you've been under so much junk that he only likes you if you do what you're supposed to do. And that is dead religion. He gave birth to the fact that you're alive. It's because he gave birth to humanity and he likes, he enjoys you. Oh, yes, there are disobedient sons and daughters and there are obedient sons and daughters. But friend, can I tell you, he enjoys you. Look what Psalms 149.4 says, for the Lord takes delight in his people. If you're his people, say me. All right, half of you, try it again. If you're his people, say me. Then he likes you. He enjoys you. He likes that you're weird. Some of you are so weird. Heaven is laughing. They're always giggling. They're always giggling at you. I'm telling you, heaven gets the biggest kick out of me. God, I can just feel, see Father God looking at Jesus. <laughs> My boy. I know that's what he says all the time. And I know all the time he goes, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> well, hallelujah. <laughs> you know? But he enjoys us. And, and, and friend, can I explain something to you? That's just good fathering. Dads, enjoy your kids. You can get new carpet. You know, the... Listen, that car is not going to matter a hill of beans. It's not going to matter a hill of beans. 
And that kid becomes a God hater and a hater of you. I had a family one time I was dealing with, and they had a daughter that was rebellious. I mean, she was rebellious. And they were so upset about it. She's about 16 years old. She hooked up with this 20-year-old dude, and he was a devil. And, and they were trying to be ministers, and, uh, and they were getting counsel from me and stuff. And they got so mad at her one day that they took the door off of her room. Then they took her cell phone away. Then come to find out she was pregnant. And they were just like, we're going to banish her, blah, blah, blah. And I, said, and I just said, and I said can I explain something to you? What is that going to do? She's going to have a baby. It's your grandkid. So what, you're never going to have them over at Christmas? You're never going to talk to her again because she acted a fool? She's yours. Yeah, it's heart hurtful. And yeah, she's made some bad decisions. But she's yours. Can I explain something to you? You're God's. You're God's. If you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and you, defi you defi uh, define yourself as a Christian, a follower of God, you're His. He delights in you. He likes you. He laughs at you. And I told her, I said, stop doing this to this little girl. I said, sit her down and say, you make me so mad because you act just like I did as a teenager. And I'm so embarrassed because I'm trying to be a pastor. And we, we can't even raise our own kids right. But I love you. And I'll do whatever I need to do to make sure that you and I stay together in this whole thing. And though I don't like your decisions, I'm your mom, and I'll always be here for you. Friend, can I tell you something? That's how Father God looks at you and me. He says he's always wooing us to himself. He delights in you. He likes you. The other day, here at the office, uh, you know, we had some of the staff kids up here. You know, they were, we were all working, and, and a lot of our, our we, we work as couples, and moms have kids, and we have kids. And so we were, all the kids were running around up here, and they were being loud, and it was awesome. I enjoy every moment of it. And so we were all standing around Gina's office. They were about to leave, and about five or four or five of them, you know, all under, all under six, you know. We've got Gabby's kids and the Pena kids and the McCain kids standing, well, the littlest one. And so we're standing around, and so I pick up Uzziah. I just pick him up. I put him up on, at, uh, on Gina's desk right there in the main little room right there. I said, Uzziah, fall backwards. We're going to do a trust fall. And he's like... And then all the other kids, me, 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 me. And before you know it, we're doing trust falls off the table. And they're falling and trying to catch in. They're laughing and screaming. And my turn, my turn, my turn. Why? Because you know what? Because I enjoy being with those kids. I, I, it's enjoyment to see them smile. God enjoys you. He likes you. He likes being with you. He enjoys the whole process of interacting with you. He enjoys you. got to get that. Dads, let me just tell you this. Kids need to know that you enjoy them. They need to know that. Kids need to know that you enjoy them. Here's a second thing that you and I need to learn from the nature of God, and that is he, he loves to provide for us. He loves to provide for us. Look at this passage of Scripture in, four, in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Say yes. yes. He loves to provide for you. Look at Matthew 6.26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Listen, he takes care of the birds and the animals. He feeds them and clothes them in beauty. Don't you think he cares about you and I? He loves, friend, let me explain something. He loves to provide for you. Don't you love to do that for your kids? You say, well, you know, it's, you know, it's just hard sometimes. I can't give them what they want. He's not talking about giving them what we want. He's talking about providing for us. Listen, listen, if I gave my kid everything they want, listen, I, 
my wife did this, you know, a few years back when Adeline was little. I don't know what happened between the teenage kids and this, the, you know, the, in the caboose, but she kind of lost her mind. She asked her, she asked her, you know, a couple years ago, she, she could have been five or six. She said, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, you don't ask her what she wants for dinner. She's going to say ice cream. That's what I would say. Ask her what she wants. She's five. She don't know what she wants. She knows what she wants, but that's not what she needs. And just because you want all this stuff from God, God's saying, listen, I love you so much, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make sure your needs are met. I'm going to take care of you. Friend, we're talking about more than just food. We're talking about more than houses and cars. We're talking about peace and joy. We're ta- Listen, God's provided me with everything I need to be successful in life. He's given me his Holy Spirit living and abiding me, walking in power. I got joy and peace when everybody else is quitting on life. Me and my wife are like, oh, I don't know why they're having such marriage issues. I love you. Oh, I know God gave us that joy in our hearts for one another and peace with each other. Why? Because he provides for you and me. He's a great provider. Do you believe that? Say yes. Some of you grew up where you just, dad didn't provide for you. And so you had to make it on your own. So you don't trust anyone else. So you don't ask for anything. I've watched some of you. You won't ask for anything. And so as a result, God's sitting there waiting, wanting to provide. God wants to be the hero of your life. But we got to ask. we got to trust him. And that trust has been broken. I get that. And, uh, and listen, I've asked him, Lord, I need strength right now. He loves to provide strength. Lord, I need patience right now. I'm going to murder this person. I need patience right now. And he loves to provide that. Can I tell you something? He is the great provider. He will take care of you. But you and me have to understand who he is so that we can draw on his nature. Dad, here's some, here's some thoughts on there. this one. Remember, a kid needs a lot more than just monetary stuff. The other day, Adam was like, Dad, Dad, look, come look, come look at this thing. Did on my phone. I was like, ah, oh, okay. It interrupted me. Oh, yeah, baby, let me look at it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, oh, it, it ain't working. Hold on, give me a second, give me a second. Wait, wait, Dad, 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 look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did that 35 times in 60 seconds. Couldn't get it working. Dad, Dad, look, 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 look. Dad, you know what? I provided that attention. You know why? Because I love her. Because she's mine. You're his. He loves, he loves to provide for you. You say, I don't have provision in this area. Have you asked? Have you let him be dad? Or are you trying to do it all in your own strength? I've learned to trust the Lord and let him be my provider. Isn't, isn't that good? Somebody say yes. Here's the third thing about his nature. There's a lot about God's nature, but I'm just pulling out four big pieces today for us. Number three, and that is he will protect you. He will protect you. Some of you didn't have a father that protected you. He didn't watch out for you. He didn't care for you. Some that were molested by a father. Who should, have just, who should have been the protector and just the opposite was the aggressor of pain and difficulty. I'm so sorry, but that's not who God is. God the Father is a protector. God the Father loves you. Where was he at in that moment? Friend, listen to me. God doesn't force his will on you, and he doesn't force his will on evil people either. And so evil people get to do evil things because God, he allows humanity to reject or accept his love and his presence. And friend, can I tell you something? Bad things happen to good people all the time. It's unfortunate and it's harmful. That's why we must spread the love of Christ to the world so that we can see evil stamped out. Somebody say amen. That's just good. Look what the word of God says in 2 Thessalonians 3.3. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. He's, he will protect you from the evil one. Somebody just needs to hold on to that right there. That, Lord, I hold you to your word, that you're faithful, and that you're going to strengthen and protect me from the evil one. Deuteronomy 31, 6. This is a favorite scripture of mine. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, say that with me. God, I thank you. You will never leave me 
or forsake me. Come on, say it one more time. God, I thank you that you will never leave me or forsake me. You got to get that down in your heart. I know that maybe your father abandoned you and ran after another woman and left you and your mom and your, and your brothers and sisters, but friend, God will never leave you or forsake you. You can hold him at his word. Why can I hold him at his word? Because he cannot lie, because he's God. And when he says he'll do it, he'll do it, and you hold him at his word. God, you, I don't feel you right now. I feel a little bit of abandonment, but I know your word says that you'll never leave me nor forsake me, so I'll hold on to the fact that my God is a God who protects, who cares about me. So what about... When something bad happens to a Christian friend, I understand those things. Those are difficult. Paul said it like this. I asked the Lord to take this thing away from me. Three times I sought the Lord, and it's still the Lord gave me this response. My grace is sufficient for you. Which brings me to my fourth point, and that is this. He will carry you where you are weak. He'll carry you where you are weak. I quoted 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to you just now. What happened was Paul... Scholars believe that he started losing his eyesight and he couldn't see. Weren't really sure. Maybe he had some disease that, that couldn't be articulated. But he had this difficulty. Now, Paul is the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's raising the dead, planting churches. You take Paul out of the equation, none of us here are Christians because uh, Christianity came, fir- came first uh, to the Jews. Paul took it to the Gentiles, which are us. And so Paul is before the Lord, and he says in 2 Corinthians, I asked him three times to remove, he called it a thorn in the flesh. Asked him three times. So you've got the man of God asking God to fix a problem in his life, and God responds to him like this, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, I will give you grace to walk through this one instead of give you power to overcome it. I'm going to give you grace and mercy to walk, because in your weakness, I'm strong. There's a part of Christianity and a part of trusting the Father that you and I have to get to where we completely grasp the fact that it's okay to be weak in an area because in that weakness, He can be strong. Not a license to go sin, but just the opposite. I'm just just not good at that. I'm just not strong in that. So Lord, in my weakness... Lord God, you be strong. And God blows the doors off of it. And what was a weakness now becomes a ministry to hurting people around the world. There's a father and son team called Team Hoyt. I found out about these guys a few years ago. ESPN did a special about them. Dick and Rick Hoyt are their names. And uh, when I saw the video footage, I just wept and I wept. And it really brings the illustration to my point. That God will carry you where you and I are weak at. Rick was born to in the 19 late 60s, and because the umbilical cord had been around his throat and cut uh, in the womb and cut uh, oxygen off to his brain, he was born with cerebral palsy. And the doctors told the family, and they already had two or three kids. And Dick, his father, or Richard Senior, had been military personnel. And they had told him, look, your lifestyle won't fit caring for this special needs young man. He won't make it in normal, everyday life. He'll need so much special attention. You already have a couple kids. You won't be able to do it. We highly suggest you put this child in a home. Richard and his wife, or Dick and his wife, were believers, and they began to pray. And they said, no, we're going to raise this child the best we can in a family unit so they can have a natural family life. And they took this young man. He could not talk. He could not interact with them. They felt that there was intelligence in him because they could see his eyes following things that they were doing. 
The mom got excited about that and began to try to teach him to read. She was able to teach him to read, and when he was eight years old or nine years old, a new computer had been invented that this young man could be attached to to help him communicate. And he began to communicate through this computer. With that, he went on not only to uh, get some education, but he went to high school like all the other high school kids at this age. A paraplegic, if you will, not able to move anything much at all, but able to interact just through this computer. And so they would have to take him in a, an adult wheelchair type of environment, stroller type environment, bring him up to the school. Special teachers would work with him. And one year, about his ninth or 10th grade year, uh, a young man uh, uh, that was one of the track uh, kids on the track team was in a car accident and was paralyzed from the, from the waist down and was never going to be able to run track again. So the school rallied around this young man to get him a van, some transportation, and try to raise funds. And they did a charity run to help this young man. Well, Rick, with cerebral palsy, this young man, he, he told his dad, Dad, I want to go and, and, and be at that run and show them that you can do anything if you put your heart and mind to it. And let me be an example of overcoming what life throws you as a bad curveball. And he said, okay. He goes, Dad, will you push me in my adult wheelchair in this 5K run? And, uh, and so he said, sure, his dad wasn't a runner, he wasn't an athlete like that, but he said, sure, I'll do it. And so they got to that run, and they thought that they would just run down in front of everybody and hoorah that the special needs kid, you know, did it. But they kept running, and they kept running, and they kept running, and they finished the race. It was supernatural. And at the end of that race, this is what Rick told his dad through his computer uh, to be able to communicate. When we run... I feel like my disability disappears. His dad said, then we're going to run. And he retrofitted a special device to push this 120-pound body of flesh without the ability to care for itself. And they began running. Then they began competing in triathlons. And they began, began to be, get the attention of the whole world and now literally have been heroes to people who realize that nothing's impossible if you'll put your heart and mind to it. But it's to the point where we're weak, God will be made strong. I want you to watch this video footage of Dick and Rick Hoyt as my dad sings to it. Come on, Pop. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me all across the room. You just got to know. You may not be able to get yourself across the finish line, but he'll carry you. You may say, I can't do it another day. He will pick you up, and he will carry you. He will swim with you. He will be beside you. He is your God. He is the Father who, when I am weak, come on, somebody, he will be strong. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Would you just close your eyes with me and lift your hands before the Lord? And if today... You're weak. And you say, I just don't want to do this anymore. I can't, I can't keep up with it anymore. I don't know what to do. I want you to ask the Lord here and now. Lord, come carry me. Come get me. Come walk with me, oh Lord. If you've not called upon him, I want you to call upon him now. Maybe you haven't had God as your protector because you've been in the way of trying to do it yourself. And you feel threatened. You feel, you feel in trouble. I want you to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, come be my protector right here, right now. Maybe you've been trying to make it work with your finances and trying to keep it all together. But you need the provider to come and provide miracles on your behalf. And I want you to, with your hands lifted, say, 
say, Lord, come be my provider. Come provide this situation. You know your situation. You know what's got you by the throat. Ask the Lord to come and provide. And friend, let me tell you something. If you've gotten to the place where you're religious and you don't realize that Jesus enjoys you, the Father enjoys you, and you're constantly trying to be better and waiting for his approval because your earthly father didn't know how to give you approval, didn't know how to just enjoy you. Friend, can I tell you something? Be delivered right now. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he enjoys you. He likes you. Yes, 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 he's teaching you obedience, but he enjoys just who you are. And you need to get past the thought that I've got to somehow make him happy every day. He's happy just because you suck air from the planet because you belong to him in Jesus' name. Would you put your hands down for just a moment? Father, I just pray over our congregation, over our people, that, Lord, they would get a real picture of who you are. You're a good father. It's not a song that we sing. It's who you are. Lord, that, that though we may not have all been good fathers, and maybe we don't, didn't have good fathers, you are a father to the fatherless. Lord, I pray for dads today. Lord, I know the pressure that they carry. Especially they weren't tooled. They don't know how to necessarily be like you. Lord, obviously, it's been a struggle from the creation of men. Because David didn't know how to be a good father. He was a great man of God. Samuel, the prophet, Eli, Eli, they were good dads. So, Lord, we're asking you now to do something different in us. Teach us how to be good dads. Come on, dads, under your breath. Just ask, Lord, teach me how to be a good dad, to be like you, to be a nurturer, to be a provider. Provide what they need, not what they want. To enjoy them right where they're at. Even when they disappoint us, to still enjoy them because they're ours. Lord, teach us those things as dads. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, just a couple minutes remaining in our service, but they really are the most important minutes for me of the entire weekend. If you're away from God, you're not a Christian. You know that if you died, you wouldn't go to heaven. There's a separation between you and God. Friend, that breaks my heart. I don't want that for you. God the Father doesn't want that for you. You say, oh, but I'm a sinner. Yeah, we all are. We all are. But let me give you some good news. Jesus died on a cross to pay for those sins. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't know what I do and what I've done. I don't. But he does. And he still died on a cross. He knew before you did it. And he died on a cross. In fact, what he did was he paid it all forward. All the sins you've committed in the past and all the sins you're going to commit in the future. He paid it all forward. You say, well, what's my, what do I do? You just respond to that. And the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. If you'll make him the Lord of your life, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's what he'll do. And he said, well, yeah, but I'm worried I'll go back to my old sin. Yeah, let him worry about that. Let him help you with that. Today, you just simply need to get on the right page and get in the right family. And you need to make the right Lord, the Lord of your life, and that is Jesus Christ. With no one looking around, if this tugs at your heart, if you know that you know that you're not going to heaven when you die, don't leave this place like that. Let me pray with you. He said, what do you want to do? Listen, I want to just pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. This is a private decision. It may be in a public venue, but this is a private decision of your heart. Because, friend, listen to me. If I can emotionalize you and get you to make a decision for God, then the moment I'm not there and no one else is emotionalizing you, the enemy will get you to make a decision to turn your back on God. This is a private decision in your heart of hearts. But, friend, you need to now 
know that you want him forever in your life. In fact, I'd like to help you with that. I'd like to pray with you about it. I won't call you forward. I won't, I won't, I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. But if you're ready to make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe you've been away from God. You want to come home. Maybe you've never been a Christian, but you want to make that decision today. I want to pray with you. No one's looking around. But would you have the courage to admit that to yourself? Admit that to the Lord? Let me be a part of that process as the pastor by just putting your hand up saying, that's me, pastor. I'm ready to pray that prayer right now. I'm ready to come back to the Lord. I'm ready to be a Christian. No one's looking around. Would you throw your hand up? Thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. This, today's a day of change. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Anyone else? Just to give you a couple more seconds. You can put them back down just quickly, up and down. Any fathers in the house? It's time to make your life right. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. God bless you. You can put it back down. Now, today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. No one's looking. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of making Jesus the Lord of your life. And I want you to mean this with all of your heart. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the congregation to say it out loud so, so your voice isn't the only one ringing out, asking God for something. And so let's pray together. Would you say it like this? Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. And I ask you now to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you for washing away my sins. I accept, I accept your forgiveness. And here and now, I thank you for being the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for a moment? Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand, even those who didn't quite get their hand up, but inside of their heart of hearts, they were crying out to make you the Lord of their life. Lord, I pray right now, the peace of God would come upon them. That, Lord God, where there's been such turmoil and such confusion, that, Lord, they'll just settle in and stop fighting and just settle in and say, you know what, that's it, it's done. I'm serving God. Lord, that you would teach them. You give them good Christian friends. You give them good, good relationship with folks who want who to serve you and know you. Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit to the place that they can't hardly even sleep at night as they begin to have open dreams and visions of you, oh God. Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit power in such a way, Lord God, that they start moving in miracles and see crazy things happen for the kingdom of God. Lord, I speak life over these, your sons and daughters. And may they be never the same ever again. May it forever, ever, ever change the course of who they are starting today in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted amen and amen and amen.